This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet, hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Thank you for tuning into the Action Ambition Podcast. I'm Philip Lanos, and today we're with Greg Robinson, a successful entrepreneur. He serves as the CEO of Diagnostic Service Center and CEO of Avar Capital Partners. Now, he was recently a featured guest on CBN's Faith Nation, a nationally syndicated program. Greg understands that as the world continues to evolve and influence the healthcare system, there is now more than ever a push towards market compliance and creating more effective, efficient, and sustainable business practices for clinical and diagnostic services. Now, further, his accomplished sales record with a company such as Laser Feast and Cross Country Health enhances his unique perspective that the healthcare leaders of tomorrow must understand that they are operating at the intersection of healthcare technology and innovation. We're talking about someone who's honed their entrepreneurial skills in the healthcare industry, capitalizing on their own personal success, and recently even launched the Who Better Than You podcast to inspire entrepreneurs to grow with a rapidly evolving market, handle increasing competition, exceed customer expectations, and rise with the technology changes. His goal is to be a thought provoker as he reminds other entrepreneurs, who better than you? Greg, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Wow, I gotta tell you, I'm taken. <laughs> right? <That's laughs> Who is this guy? Wow. <laughs> I, I, I need, I needed that today. Wow, I feel ten times better than five seconds ago. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, man. You know, we were talking before we hit record, and there's, there's something about the fuel that actually gets people to a place. Um, where they can accomplish things. You know, we were talking about that and how a lot of what's out there really is set up to for someone to address someone who's already well on their way. Now, when you started the Who Better Than You podcast, was that sort of the the basis for that energy? Is that you wanted to get people there, and the best way to do that is to provoke them with that question? One hundred and ten percent. Um, when we started the Who Better Than You podcast, we started it with the frame of mind that there was so, there, and there is, there's so much content out from the greats, you know, your Les Browns and your Tony Robbins, but, and, and I felt like, hey, a lot of that content is driven after the fact, right? So if you can make it to these places, if you're right outside of the door, or if you're already there, here are some of the things that you need to be better. And even though it's presented to motivate you, regardless of the the, regardless of your phase, when you look at taking that motivation and implementing it, you certainly have to be well along the way in order to be able to control those factors. We can't mitigate all things, right? Um, we So when Who Better Than You, the podcast itself, in its infancy and at its origination, the name of the game was to approach the future entrepreneur, the future leader, the future sales manager, the future executive sales personality and say, hey, so everyone's covering after you get there. Well, I'm, what we're here to give you is everything you need along the way, yeah. right? How to, because there goes the big gray area. You, there's, all of us are sitting one day at our desk. I remember sitting at my desk still working for American Bank Card, 
sitting, and I could see myself sitting at my desk and I could see the tomorrow. I just had no, no real way of knowing how we were going to get there, right? Or, and how to get myself motivated to take the next leap, the leap, because I'm, I'm sitting there with so much fear, right? Because yeah. I can see it, but you're scared, you're, you know, you're scared of, of, of you. And at that particular point, I was, I would say I wasn't, I didn't have a fear of failing. I had a fear of winning. That's right. such a subtle distinction, man. So, and and is this sort of how you became like CEO of Avar Capital Partners and the Diagnostic Service Center by by stepping into this mindset and and really cultivating it? Do you remember the first time? Was it when you were sitting there in that chair visualizing the future you wanted that you said, "I've got to do something different"? I said, "I got to do something." Yeah, I, I'm sitting there. I said, "I got to I got to do something different." I took a cigarette break. I don't smoke anymore. I took a cigarette break and I called my dad. I said to my dad, who was a successful entrepreneur, um, a very successful as an executive leader in the C-suite, even in the 80s, right? So he had a, wow. an illustrious and well-decorated career. Um, has been in business for himself for over 25 years. Never had a down year. It's been nothing but growth. Um, utmost industry leader. So I gave him a call and I said, you know, Pop, it's time. And I know that it's time, but I, I just, I don't know how. And I told him, you know, I'm so worried. I have, I have you know, three children. I have a wife and I'm so worried about all the nuances are wrapped, wrapped around that, right? What if I get out here and it just doesn't work itself out? I'm not able to get this thing off the ground, uh, you know, and I lose my family, you know, my kids are suffering. And um, he listened to me and then he stopped me and he just asked me, he said, I, I, I get that, son, but you you told me a few weeks ago that your P&L had come out for the organization you work for. I said, yeah, we all all of the sales leaders, we've gotten our PL, so we know what we did. And he said, walk me through those numbers again. And then I walked him through the numbers and he said, son, you netted 7 million on your books. I said, okay, that's awesome. He said, what was your salary last year? I said, 175,000. He said, is that including your commissions and your, your complete compensation package? And I said, well, yeah. He said, so I want you to take that number and then divide it into your net and then take that number and divide it into the gross on that PL. He said, son, who better than you? If you can do that and accept that little bit of a return for the next man, for the next organization, if you could do it for that little bit of a return for his children, right? Why can't you do it for you? Are you worried every day when you go do it for him? And I said, well, no. He said, the only reason why you're not worried every day when you do it for him is because he guarantees you a paycheck. I said, yeah. And he said, and what he guarantees you is not even 1% of what you net. You, are you going to continue to shortchange yourself like that? I said, you know, Pop, he said, I really want you to think about it, son. You Ranking amongst regional sales managers, where do you fit? Well, I'm number one in the region right now. And out of all the past four quarters, how many times have you been number one? Three. So, son, there's no one better than you then. And if you can do that at that level for someone else, why not you? Why not you? I said, okay, I hear you, Poppy. He said, I want you to think real hard throughout your career. Who was better than you? And so I'm gonna let you go now. I called him back two days later. I said, Pop, I looked everywhere, scoured up and down. I ran through my memories. I checked as many old reports as I had. I mean, I went through LinkedIn, looked through all of my ex-colleagues' names. He said, who did you find that was better than you? <laughs> Nobody! There was no one. I checked. And he said, okay, but what are you going to do today? I said, Pop, let me let you go. I'm going to, I'm going to do my letter of resignation. And I did it that day. Wow. 
and we start in of our capital partners. Now, I'm, listen, we're not going to run a fallacy here. So if our capital partners have been open eight months before that, <laughs> right? And there was a lot of it, yeah. work that had been done. My days were long. And I talk about this in the podcast too. So and it's that part of it that we're not getting out to the people. So the part that we're not getting out to the people is all right. So I put my resignation in that day and we moved forward and our bar capital partners was off to the races. So I had been working five hours a day in the nighttime after my career on a bar capital partner for the previous nine months. And we had already built our accounts receivable to roughly five grand a month, right? Solid, consistent through and through. It wasn't, I, when, this isn't a movie now. I didn't just boom. <laughs> all right? right. There was a lot of groundwork done there, but at, at that particular time, I, I made, I had that at that time, I had made my mind up that if I could see 50 small business owners a day on behalf of the organization I was working for, I wasn't going home until I saw 10 for me. Yeah. So when it was quitting time, six, six o'clock hit the, when, when I saw six o'clock, I took my business cards for the organization I was working for out of my pocket, put them in the dash. I took a bar capitals business card and put them in my pocket. I went on YouTube. I listened to as much motivational stuff as I could find from Dwayne Johnson because he's my guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> and then I went, got a Red Bull, and we stayed until I saw 10 for me. Man. Right? And I and I had that energy for eight months. If I can do it for, if I can do it for them, I can do it for me. Right. There goes those, that's the, those, those are reps. That's putting up the shots. That's the what we talk about on the podcast, the mama mentality, right? What extent were you willing to go? The extent that I was willing to go to, right? The truth is, is there may have been someone that's, that was a better closer than me. They may, they may have done better discovery than me. They may have been, a, uh, uh, um, they may have pitched better than me, right? They, 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 there are so many nuances to this, the craft itself. But one thing's for sure and two things were certain. I could find no one that was going to outwork me. There's something so important happening there because this is exactly... I myself am a freelancer, right? I contract. And uh, the reason why I bring this up is that there are a lot of people out there that want to get to that level, right? To those those eight months that you put in prior to finally seeing the light there. But you still had this other part of you that was tentatively putting together something for eight months, you know what I mean? And even getting that started is a challenge for a lot of people. There's this mindset that you had already started to develop, right? And the, it's sales, all business exists only with sales. And this is where you were thriving. So how did you even get yourself to be like, yeah, I can do this. Did you do market research and all the X's and O's and the dots, the I's and crossing the T's or, or did you, did you come across something that just made sense to you immediately? And you were like, yeah, I can do this right outside of that. So when it came to the diagnostic service center, yeah, there was a ton of market research involved. But with the market research, because of my all of the years of experience I had had in the back offices and in healthcare and hospital administration and even in health informatics, right, I was able to kind of jump off the porch relatively quickly when I was when I could identify the W here, yeah. right, and and then I could speak to that mantra, "Who better than you?" Because I I, I literally had facilitated so many different nuances in that space, right. So for me, that one spoke strong, and I was able to really, but don't get you know. I'm not going to sit here and just say I had a gut feeling. No, I'm data driven as data driven can be. Right. So <laughs> there was a ton of research and energy and effort put into making sure that we were able to strike with precision. Right. I mean, and we because we need to be surgical. Listen, your future depends on it. So you don't want to just run with a gut feeling. Um, you want to run with a good feeling coupled with data. 
<laughs> all right, so that we're not making um, decisions from a place of sentiment. Typically, um, that is where we fail. Uh, we should use sentiment. I feel like every, whether you're a sales leader, an entrepreneur, a successful contractor, right? Because the, I, one of my biggest, and we talk about this on the podcast too, not a, you know, every 1099 isn't an entrepreneur. And, and, I, and, and now we have, if, if, if you can uh, sell her herbal life there, they're calling you an entrepreneur. No, uh, if, 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 if I get it, if my wife gets a Mary Kay license and she gets a Mary Kay credential in the, in the credential that she get, 99% of the time, it's just so she can get a discount on the products that she's going to buy in the first place. No, everybody has a real estate salesperson license and hasn't sold anything. No, right? These things, you know, in order for you to be successful at being an entrepreneur, and there is a difference between being a successful 1099 and being a successful entrepreneur, you're going to have to strike with precision and you're going to have to believe in you, but you, you've got to be inside of that process, in that mode, right? You have to have the ability because that's what the leaders are going to do. They're going to look at the data and they're going to let the data dictate their decisions. Their gut is going to be involved, but 90% of that decision is going to be made based off of market research, data analyzation, a risk mitigation platform, right? And these are all things that in order for you to call yourself a successful entrepreneur, I'm not saying that you need to reach a level of mastery with them. Oh, but you definitely need to have a working skill set, right? In yeah. order to do that, just so because me and you both know how rabbit holes go and you don't typically realize that you're in one until you're like, really deep inside of that rabbit hole so you, you want you want to be you you want to be mindful of it but you know with the who better than you podcast what we were able to quickly identify is so no no th these are the things no one's talking about and they're so important the rally cries for you to get up off of your couch and do something that's one thing okay but what is that something because there is the question around, around making sure that inside of you doing things that we're that we're productive and purpose driven and that we're that we're and we're sharpening our skills as we go through that. I'm a sales PI through and through, period. No matter what you say, I could sell ice to an Eskimo, right? I'm a sales PI through and through. Uh, mo most of the time, you're dealing with people who are sales professionals through and through, or they have a sales predictive index through and through. What they are are an admin and an operation nightmare, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those two things. It's just the truth. They are. They need to stay uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to. So for me, at that time. When we first opened up our capital partners, when you as an ex-athlete, okay, so that's where I'm putting up shots. And I'm putting up shot after shot after shot. It's honing those skills because I know, look, I don't care what it is. The selling part is not the obstacle for me. The back end, so the operational and the admins and, and administrative part of it, that's probably going to be my, my, my hard spot. That's where the problems are, right? Yeah. So that's where I started. Okay, so first give me the data. What? How do we work out our risk? I learned quick, we need a risk mitigation platform. How do we mitigate these things as we're going through them, right? And especially if you're dealing in healthcare, you risk mitigation is such a huge thing, right? So I needed to, it, I did my best to reach a level of mastery with it, right? And when I, when I petered out at that level of mastery, me being confident in myself, I said, okay, and we're here now to this point. So now let's bring in, my grandmother was a huge advocate and I say this all the time, doc, foot doctors should only tend to foots. And you have to really let that sink in. All right, selling, that's my foot. So now that I have a working knowledge of risk mitigation and operations and all of those nuances, and I've really sharpened those skills. All right, so now it's time to, it's, we got to break open the pot and it's time to bring in the guys that that's what they do. They, they are the JJ Riddicks or Reggie Millers. They're the three and D guys. This is what they do, right? And I have to trust those guys. I need to bet them accordingly, but I need to bring them in. I have to trust them and I have to trust them to guide me. 
Yes, we've gotten successful to this point, but that does not make me the, the end of all know all. I had to be real with myself, you know, because uh, knowledge of self is such a big part of you being successful as a leader and as an entrepreneurial leader, right? Is you've got to have knowledge of self. You have to know who you are. And I knew at that time, all right, while I'm putting up reps and sharpening these skills, that's to get us to this point. And then I met Bill. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I, I met Bill Schultz, William Schultz, and he, he's our chief operating officer for the Diagnostic Service Center. And he is a data science and an operational process guru. Um, and I trust him. I put him to the test and I trust him. And I take his words and I take it and I do my best to remind myself that wait, while I'm in the founder role, the visionary role, I have to let these guys do their jobs too. I'm the visionary. So yes, it's my job to have this big hairy audacious go every time. And it's their job to take a big hurry audacious goal and make it scalable over and over and over and over again. So real, man. Someone told me the other day, Philip, you're so much better at $300 an hour work than you are at $14 an hour work. And when they said that to me, it started to occur to me, you know, certain things like quality control and editing or, you know, like certain little things that can derail the whole thing are things that I should leave to somebody who literally that's what they do. And this is speaking to what you're talking about, just from my own personal experience. And I, when I hear you say this, I'm like, man, this message is so pivotal, so key, so true that it is the foundation of anyone's success, this whole self-awareness and like really admitting to yourself what you're not good at and making sure that someone who is good at that is on your team. And that's that, like, that's, that's the end of that, man. Oh, it's such it's a powerful a but look, yeah. even in your success is something that you you had to be aware of. And I, I, I'll never forget because I didn't always have knowledge of it. I was production. I was very production driven at one point in my career. So the, the name of the game for me was I got to get you closed. I got to get you plugged up because the only the, that makes you billable. Close, plug, bill, close, plug, bill every time. Right. And I can't make the commission and I can't and I don't get my badge of merit until it goes live. Right. Because I'm very, I'm, listen, I'm huge on the accolades, right? I, I got to a point and I, I really had to work on it because I'm I'm, it's sickening. I'll take the accolades over the money. I just make sure you know who I just, I need you to understand, right? Yeah, this man. is elite here. I'm number one. You can skip the money. I'm here for the sport, <laughs> right? Yeah, the money's man. good. But from a place of servitude is where greatness is always cultivated anyway. So if, coming out and servicing, you're going to be successful if you just focus on helping people. But I'm huge on the accolades because I'm very competitive. And I was working with the sales operation manager who is now an EVP of sales for himself now at the time, Michael Jacoby. And he really drilled into my mind the importance of the customer success model the customer journey model, right? And how, how elite of a sales professional are you if you're operationally administratively a mess just because you can round, you know, and he, he would really challenge me. And, and it, it's gonna, especially as a competitive person, it's gonna make you upset, but there was so much value behind those nuances because it's huge. It's, it's, it's gonna be huge for, and, and even in your space, it is for each in any one of your clients their journey that's a huge thing their experience is a huge thing and when it comes to deals we both know i could do i could run out and do a thousand deals today but if i never get them implemented and onboarded then what good was it yeah man you know at the end of the day you could you, you you've done an amazing job with this with this media outlet that you have here and you could have worked 
200 hours a, a, a week in order to get that done. A thousand hours a week, you could work night and day and never slept in order to get that done. But if you didn't fine tune it, get things going in the right direction, get episodes up, really challenge people's conventional way of thinking so that you can have the unique content and brand yourself. Like all of that is back end stuff that all of that has to do with the journey, right? At sales ops, operations and admin. If we didn't hone those things in, then what, what good are the deals if 75% of them attrition because you didn't have any of those things in play? If you never got them turned on in the first place, then what good is it, right? There's, so we, we I think that's the, these are the nuances, right? When I look in the space today, that's where the, the concept of who better than you, because for me, the who better than you mindset, it's not just a mantra, it's a subscription. There's so many voids and nobody's giving you these things. Guys like me and you learned it the hard way. Nobody's giving you these things up front. There's such a huge misconception now. So, you know, I, I, we were really hoping to create a place for like energy people to subscribe to, right? Because at the end of the day, one thing is for two and two things is certain. There's no such thing as daydreaming. You're not, what you're seeing tomorrow, every listener on here, what you're seeing for yourself tomorrow, you're not daydreaming. If you saw for yourself, as, if every time you close your eyes, you're seeing a successful business model, a beautiful husband and wife, amazing children, and a Rolls Royce Cullinan in front of 8,000 square feet, you're not daydreaming, my friend, at all. That's the universe giving you a bit of deja vu. It's showing you what's to come. If you can get yourself in a place and you can get yourself aligned so that when the universe showers its abundance on you, if your arms are cluttered, what can you take? You, you can't seize that moment. You, you need to be free to accept that abundance. And we start that one W at a time. And we don't start that by putting our hands together. And don't get me wrong, it's great. It's a different form of manifestation. But we don't start that by putting our hands together and praying and hoping that when we open our eyes, a large hand with clouds around it is going to reach down and fix our problems. We start that with manifesting our W's, putting, putting our future out there for, for, for us to identify with. I, there was a time where everything that I wanted, anything that I wanted to be, anything that I wanted to do for our business, of our capital partners and dice, that's a service center. When we come out of our strategic meeting, I would go home and I had a post-it in my closet, a whole big thing of post-its. And I'd write the next move down and, and, the, and the outcome of the next move and put it on the wall in that closet. Because writing it down and then following through is the first two steps, but see, no one tells you that, right? It's not daydreaming. You're not dreaming. It's not a facade. The universe is showing you all that's for you once you're prepared and ready to take it. It's all about, remember, the market always corrects itself. So the universe is going to shower down blessings and an abundance for everyone. It's all about alignment, though. And when that time occurs, and, and it happens real strategically, regularly, when that time occurs, the who better than you mantra sets in. And are you prepared to accept that abundance, right? Because if you're still, if your bandwidth is still cluttered, if your energy is still bogged down, if you're still in a negative place, if you haven't taken control of your destiny and started working on the process to moving forward for when that time comes, well, the time will come and then you're gonna, you're on the other side of that. You just weren't prepared, right? So we really, we really put it in our mind that, you know what? We learned so much um, from failing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a starch winner because I'm the best loser you ever seen. 
right? When I lose, it's epic. <laughs> right? Man. You know, I, I, I want to make sure that, that people get the, the red carpet ready for you here. And uh, we, we highlight a couple of things. Number one, how often does the podcast come out? Um, is it like a bi-weekly, monthly situation? So we, 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 we uh, release content bi-weekly um, okay. on, on a bi-week basis. So twice a week, we release content, right? I wow, try to get okay. one out early in the week and then late in the week, we try to roll out our episodes. We also have our Mantra Mondays, which is a huge thing, right? Um, okay. The Mantra Mondays. And, and that the premise of Mantra Mondays is to give, to give our viewers and us internally we need something to anchor us, right? And it needs to be in a in a positive place. One of the biggest things that I did, and I listen, I, I even do it from I when I tell you I'm such a subscriber, Philip. I wake my children up in the morning for school to positive affirmations on their TVs and on their Alexas. I have a schedule that when their alarms go off, it plays positive affirmations. When I'm in the morning, when I'm getting them off, me and my wife are working together to get them off, I'm telling my children. So today you're gonna to have an amazing day, right? And everything that you learn is you're gonna soak it up like a sponge. Everything that your teachers are trying to teach you, you're gonna soak it up like a sponge. You're gonna reach a level of early mastery with it and you're gonna to excel. Today, you're gonna to be in control of your energy. You're not gonna have a bad day today. You're gonna to have a great day. And today you're gonna to dominate your peers, right? <laughs> because you are elite and you're going to show them that. You breathe it, you're elite unconsciously. Let's get ready for an amazing day because you're the captain of this ship and today you're already driving it in a great space, right? I wake my children up like that. Man, I wish someone did that when I was a kid. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Um, and then, uh, so that's good to know, Mantra Mondays, you put out two a week and with the with the podcast, Who Better Than You? And then also with Diagnostic Service Center and Avar Capital Partners, um, what should people know about that? And should they be interested in talking to you more about that? How can they connect with you? 110%. So the, our, our, our mission statement for the Diagnostic Service Center is very simple. We want to help as many people and as many organizations take a proactive approach to healthcare, right? And, and a proactive approach to their long-term care and their critical care management. And that's a huge part for us. And, and for us, the first step in that is the half of the battle is knowing. So education is key. Um, so making sure that we're utilizing the right vehicles to provide the right information to our critical care team in order for them to make the right long-term decisions so that we're not continuing to take the approach that we're going to put a Band-Aid on something. I don't, I don't, because there's no one size fits all for anything in life. I think we've, we've learned that throughout the years. Um, it's, it's taking the knowledge of being able to get real answers and then making the lifestyle right? And the sociological changes to award you a better return than it did the people, the individuals that came before you, the matriarchs and patriarchs that came before you, right? Allowing us to know, especially in certain communities, right? We no longer have to be a victim to diabetes and heart disease and high blood pressure, and high cholesterol, and even certain forms of cancer. I'm not saying that we've got a special science sauce out here that's, gonna, that's going to rectify it, but 90% of the time, what ends up happening is we just find out too late we begin to take the, the, a, a, a practice of care too late. We, we, you know, when we find out it's early, but we're in such bad lifestyle and cultural habits that if we had changed them well ahead of time, we would have been so much stronger for the fight and we could have extended out, right? Because chronic illness doesn't have to be a death sentence, right? You could still, you could be chronically ill with something and still live 
an amazing life as long as you're willing to make the cultural and social changes that it takes. And that's gonna be driven by the information that we're able to get to you and your care team, right? I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I was, and still am, I'm in love with the sport of bodybuilding and powerlifting and weightlifting and itself. I've, those things I've been in love with since I was 12 years old. Uh, I am right now, I'm going through heart failure, right? Uh, back this, uh, in May of last year, I had a bad night. I had a, I had a fall, a spew, boom, hit my head. I woke up three days later and my injection fraction was 9%. What does that mean in real terms? This is your heart with water in it, right? 9%, this is your whole heart, this is the fluid. Only this much of my heart was pumping all of that heart. Wow. Right? You were um, running on an on a, on a empty tank. <laughs> yeah, running on an empty tank. And I'm 6'3", you know, at that time, I'm 6'3", 310 pounds. That's a whole lot of movement for just 9%, right? Yeah. Um, on top of a plethora of other things and we went through, of course, me being who I am in the space I am, we went through a whole complete workup. Um, they did a cath lab. My valves and all of my plumbing was remarkable, re literally, quote unquote, remarkably clean with little to no tar, right? I did not need a stent. I did not. So then we did, of course, the genetic testing. And it's genetic, right? I'm, so between uh, I'm the heart failure, I have cardiomyopathy, I have near fatal arrhythmias, right? There's a question on how my heart beats in a sustaining manner and I have an electrical blockage, right? The whole medical community around me was completely blown because when we look at the diagnostic side of things and when they start working through these issues, they, it's, it's hard. I was healthy for the most part, but it was genetic, right? It runs on both sides of my family both my maternal and paternal grandparents on both sides of my and just this year alone i've lost four of my of my second cousins to the same ailments and illnesses right now we fast we, we rewind if i would have known that 20 years ago maybe i would have taken up swimming or cycling instead of weightlifting and bodybuilding and putting so much stress on my heart right um i would have because me and, and having that knowledge and me taking up swimming and me taking up cycling would have actually, listen, it's genetic. It was going to happen. It would have made me so much more stronger, right? To, 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 to make those changes. Maybe I wouldn't have drank three cold booze a day for 10 years, right? As I've been hustling and moving through the <laughs> story of my through, life. Right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, when, and when the doctors narrowed it down, they're like, dude, you're drinking like 6,000 milligrams of caffeine a day, you know? <laughs> um, and I'm like, Hey, I've got an empire. And I need as much gas as I could possibly have. You know, the kingdom, the, everyone inside the kingdom has their needs. I got to keep going, right? Yeah, so um, there's maybe uh, I, you know, at the end of the day, especially in my culture, maybe I would have skipped the soul food. I would have passed on fried chicken. I would have passed on collard greens. And, 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 and even if I was only eating those things in spurts, right, as, as celebrations for happy times and comfort, I would have passed on them altogether. From 19, 20 years old, 18 years old, I would have had a heart healthy diet, right? and become a hell of a swimmer and a cyclist, but you only know what you know, right? Yeah. And all of those things play such a big part. So our goal at the Diagnostic Service Center is to, to work with the people, regardless of your age, your demographic, to get the knowledge in your hands ahead of time. So that not just so that you can make the lifestyle and cultural changes and the health changes and medical changes for yourself, but so that you can share that now it's institutional knowledge for you and you can share that with your family and you can start to make sure that you're having a positive impact on the generations to come right because we could get this thing down and, and if we work together and if we put in that work ahead of time 
these things can become benign to us and not life-threatening, but it takes it takes a proactive approach to healthcare. So the diagnostic service center, I mean, we are geared out there. My goal, I get out there and I tell those guys every day, I will pull them off the floor in the midst of them working and tell them every day, if you're if, if in, if in your frontal lobe, if, I, if you can't hear echoing, I need to help as many people as I can today, wrong seat. You may be the right person, but then you're in the wrong seat. Get out there and help as many people as we possibly uh, can, right? So that's one of the biggest things that, you know, we do in a four-phase capacity and then working with the health systems to make sure that they understand the value behind it and that we're utilizing this to make good long-term decisions. So, you know, that's going to always be our mantra of our capital partners is the ever the never-ending pursuit of the scale, right? We not, The growth can never stop. And if we can help you to find that growth in any way, we will. If you're in a market that once we do our research, if we can see a W there, let's go, right? Because a lot of times I have seen so many times on the Avar Capital side, we go in and people have a great, they've got a great business idea. They've got a strong business. It's, it's being managed poorly. It's being run poorly, right? They're not Unfortunately, they didn't understand that a foot doctor should tend to foots. <laughs> what we were right? talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now you've got the visionary still op, still functioning in the COO role. He's still wearing that hat, right? You've got the visionary still wearing the executive VP of sales hat, right? The admin guy's hat. And, and we're able to go in and we're able to say, okay, we can imp implementing this infrastructure, making these changes, building these channels, the channel, channel segmentation is the way. When I tell you, Phil, how many times I walk in and we start a strategic partnership somewhere with the organization and all of their product offering is in one bucket and their and, and their tactics to how they're going to go about attacking those products is all in one bucket. Uh, and how can you truly assess the values of your fruits, especially if I've got apples, oranges, pears and grapes and I just put them all in one bucket. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, we are our, our, the, our, the, the of our capital partners is to never the never ending pursuit of the scale, right? And how we can work together. There's always most and for most organizations, when we can take the traditional approach about streamlining the right technology in order to get there. But truly, it's about how we're utilizing your your human infrastructure and your human assets, and then your strategy, right? How are we organizing it? And so a lot of times we go in um, for a set amount of time. And we and it's almost um, we do like a journeymanship. So we'll take over those roles for you and create complete transparency with our reporting, our biweekly meetings, and we'll get you where you need to be with your leaders in place right alongside us. And then we slowly start to work with them to turn it back over to them. And then we make our friendly exit, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is 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 so many times, and we talk about it on the podcast so many times. The executive leaders have misappropriated the values of their people. They'll come to me, and by the time I sit down and me and my team actually get to know their people and we do discovery with their people, everything that they're looking for has been there for like two to five years. It's just been sitting right there. The bottleneck is the CEO. How often is that true, man? Ah, there's so much impact in everything you do, man, from health to the podcast to the capital partners, you know, diagnostics. All of that. You've got the asset. You know what's crazy, Philip? You've got the asset there. That asset has been been willing to jump forward, and you keep telling them just shut up and dribble. Yeah, right. Man. You it's and, and don't get me wrong. A lot of times that asset has made some mistakes in the past, or there's been some hiccups in the past, and so they they pigeonholed them and classified them into one role. But most of the time they're like, so 
what do we need to do from a talent acquisition point? So we, so we need to hire this role, that role, and that role. Actually, no, we don't. We need to hire replacements for that role because you actually have the talent sitting right here. Oh, but that person failed me five years ago. How many people <laughs> have you failed in the past five years, my friend? Does that mean that you're obsolete or you're no longer valuable? You actually have the talent right here. So no, we're not going to go out and hire all of these amazing and fill these big roles. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to replace them. We're going to repurpose it because you have the talent here. So we're going to replace the entry level roles and we're going to move them along the way and we're going to put them in these roles. We're going to show them how we're going to put measurable KPIs and other and other things in the risk mitigation platform in place for you to be able to to hold them to the data and give them a chance. And, and it's crazy. This person's been sitting here with you for five years. Untapped so, talent, man. You, know, you got it. And, and that's a part of the growth, you know, and getting also getting them to understand. Um, look, you've been running this thing like a like it's a communist nation. We don't you don't have all the answers, Sway. Right. You don't have all the answers. Wait, listen to your people. Your people have good ideas. And I'm not saying uh, all of them are because there's a difference between a good idea and then a good idea that you can implement. Right. We, we know that something something sometimes things sound great, but it's you can't implement it. Yeah. But, you know, rat, pull your team and get them involved. What do you have them for? Get them involved. Yeah, man. So true. You know, so much you, value. You're not in the conventional methods of things. Right. Especially now we're in we're in a climate right now we're in a spot where utilizing market data is even hard because none of the market data is driven by i don't know having a whole pandemic outside right which changes everything <laughs> you're gonna have to and we've been able to survive over the past three years or so i love market data but how valuable has it been right we've been able to survive with being strategic and, and challenging the conventional methods of everything that we do because the outcome is completely different now and the world is so different. So you're right. Even in, it sounds like even in your own organization, the minute things change, you decided to change because you knew you had to. Whereas other people, they kept trying to fit a square into a triangle and then wondering why it wasn't working. There's so many lessons. And I can just tell that people will benefit a lot from signing up to the Who Better Than You podcast or taking a look at the fact that maybe they should get some diagnostics run, you know, and, and maybe even reaching out to your people and finding out how's the best way to move forward in that direction, right? Uh, from, from healthcare providers to actual just people who are trying to figure that out. Um, the same time with capital partners, there are people out there who just can't figure out why their business isn't working. They're holding on. Well, guess what? There's hope there too. Everything you do is about impact and I can see that from the jump, from the initial mindset necessary, all the way to getting things up to scale. And for me, there's just, there's just pure entrepreneurship and your energy. And I'm very glad that we had this conversation because it's, it's rare that somebody is that open about, look, th these are, because even if you told people everything, they'll still find a way to get in their way. And so, <laughs> so it's really, it's really cool to see you doing this, man. And so uh, again, I want to make it very clear what, what website or social channel do you want people to connect with you on before we close things out? So we, so right now we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, RSS feed. Um, we have both of the websites up. There's a who better than you with the with the with the actual you because the YLU just wasn't available.com. Um, the Dionysus Service Center.com and of our capital partners.org. Um, those are great outlets for us. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't really do the Twitter thing because okay. I'm an over engager. So it's probably not the best thing for me. Right. <laughs> like I, I, even on our, even on both of the Instagrams, right. I'll get on there and 20 responding to 270 comments later and I'm deep. 
right? And then my my team is like, Greg, no, please wait. <laughs> uh, but but they wanted to know when I'm answering, right? Execution. Um, execution <laughs> is key. And and because I come from a place of, I'm, regardless of what you say, I'm going to challenge your conventional ways of thinking. The only way you're not getting challenged is if it's not conventional, right? So, <laughs> um, but we're on all of the all of the. You can hear us on all of the major networks. YouTube um, is something that we're we're, that we're 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 getting together the pages there. We're getting ready to put up some of our videos, but I'm also a perfectionist, right? So I've had to re-edit that thing like 25 times because um, showing up is half the battle, and then how you show up is the other half. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, but we're we're on all the major outlets. You can find us on, you know, we have websites up, but Spotify, Apple Podcasts, like uh, we've got Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, RSS feed, and we're on. Um, yep, that's all of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So you're on every every syndicated network. And uh, you've got you've got websites, like you said, uh, of our capital of our, of our partner capital, capitalpartners.org. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, and the the diagnostic service center.com and who better than you.com, but that's who better than you with, with the letter U. Yeah, and not a why you wasn't available. I reached out, they wanted like thirty thousand dollars for it. I, I said, already know how that is way. straight extortion, <laughs> straight extortion. We are going another way, Phil. Before before we let each other go, I want to ask you a question. And I because I always ask everyone I talk to this question, especially entrepreneurs, this question. Okay, how many times did you fail as an entrepreneur before this one worked? Oh man, for like five years straight, it was nothing but L's, man. Uh, everywhere I, but they all every L brought me closer. You know, I even if I was, it was the weird thing about me is I tried to quit so many times, and then like the next day I woke up and I just did it again against my own will. There's just something in me that won't let me quit, even if I try to quit. And I think that's an important marker to look at for people. You know, like if you can truly quit, because quitting, you know, I'm sure you've heard this, quitting is just as hard as keep keeping the, the motion going forward. It's just, you got to choose your heart, right? <laughs> that 110%. And it's crazy that you say that because we talk about that on, on several of the podcast episodes because it's a key indicator, right? Um, the, the guys who are successful, we find a way to keep going even when we can't substantiate why. Yeah, man, it's a right? sickness. I mean, this thing's on fire. <laughs> we should be jumping off the ship. The Titanic is sinking and I'm sitting on the nose of the Titanic smoking a cigarette saying to myself, well, once this once the nose is below water there's that raft over there and i'm still trying to get here you know what it was there was there was a time when i first started trying to like when i when i let go of like i had i had a pretty decent salary and i was okay but i decided i want to be self-employed and there was a point where i couldn't get my pieces together to really launch a business and i was sitting there penniless i mean i had like like four dollars in my account right and i had a credit card that i could use but i knew i shouldn't and i'm sitting there just like oh, wow, I'm not earning by the hour or like, you know, this salary. And it was after that moment that, I, that once I truly experienced what was my biggest fear at the time, right? Um, once I experienced that, I realized that like, oh, well, you, you close one deal and that could turn everything around. That was the moment that I realized no matter how bad it gets, it really can't get any worse than that. It's like a Pringle. <laughs> it just takes one. Look, it can't get any worse than that. And, and we all make the mistake right in the beginning. We think we think of it by the hour, but even in consulting, I, I've always told other entrepreneurs and business owners because this is the key. It's the first, the first step is it's not by the hour. Then Greg, what is it? It's by the day. Yeah. Right. And when I say by the day, everyone's looking at uh, their hour. I got to make twenty an hour, twenty five an hour, fifty an hour, thirty an hour. Real entrepreneurs say, 
I need to make 250 a day, 300 a day, 500 a day, 1,000 a day, 2,000 a day, 10,000 a day. Yeah. It's by the day, not by the hour. And then just one deal that could get you to your day mark. So yes, it sounds crazy. Sounds It's a big, hairy, audacious goal, but that's the thing. That's why a part of me wants to take big, hairy, audacious goal and just throw it out into the sea and say, we want to call it something else. Because the only reason why it's big, hairy, and audacious is because they told you that. It's achievable. The question becomes, what are you willing to give in order to get it? It's there. It's there for the taking. Sales and my sales motivations and sales trainings, I, I would tell even as a sales leader, I tell myself this is correct. We're 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 in a region, we're going business to business, and we go in person because you 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 tell us that. Because I'm a big believer that leads are only for sales developments, not for you need to go in person. I'm a huge believer in that, right? Um, especially for depending on the size of the deal. So how many we need to see a day to be successful? 50. I need to see 50 business owners a day to be successful? Yes. That's impossible. That's amazing. So tell me, walk me through the case study that you have of when you tried and it didn't work. I've never tried it. Get out of my office and go. Come back to me. Come back to me with real data. Come back to me when you can tell me what happened when you tried. What is truly possible in a day? Give right? me three days and come back to me in three days. It never failed. I had a sales leader challenge me that way. And then by the third day, boss. So I've got 20 appointments stacked so far. I didn't even get a chance to see 50 on the third day because I'm I'm booked all the way out until next week. That's amazing. And I just tell them, why do you feel like you can't see any more doors? Oh, well, because I'm booked out to next week. What's the appointment abandonment rate in America right now? <laughs> Go back. <laughs> right? 64% of appointments straight abandoned. So yep. if you think you have 100 minus 64, and that's what you have. Go back and keep going. But then I, I, I push that narrative. And before you know it, that becomes such a, it, that's no longer hard work. It's just a standard, right? But it's that mindset because they're looking at it from the hour to the hour. And I say, no, 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 no. We have to look at it from the day, right? Because it's all it takes is one. And that one, that day could be enough to fill you for the month. It just takes one. So we got to look at this by the day. It's one day at a time, right? Yeah, man, it's gold, man. Called. come back with some real data <laughs> come back with no because listen you're just guessing it from a place of sentiment nothing's ever happened i tell people all the time listen my, my my mother she gave me a middle name right here's my middle name my name is greg finite robinson the more broad you are the more it doesn't speak to me you've got to know if you're just guessing when people say oh well that can't happen and then when i ask them okay so how are you qualifying that that can't happen tell me about your experience oh i didn't try it so you're guessing. Ooh, man. Guessing. What are you going to do? For, so what are you going to do with the guess? You're going to tell me about your gut feeling. Your gut feeling would have to be based upon some form of institutional knowledge that you have or a previous experience. But you just told me you've never done this before. No. So even your gut feeling is guessing. Speculating on the speculation. <laughs> and, and it's so speculative. Just go try. Yeah. All you got to do is go try. I tell people all the time, and, and it is in that. Whatever people, it you want to know what the real path is, just listen to everything that everybody told you impossible, there goes the path. <laughs> all right? Anything that people put impossible in front of, that's actually the real path. It's not impossible. What are you willing to give? Because I, I, I thought that when it was first given to me, and then when I started taking away a clock in and clock out time, and I started saying my day ends at door 50, well, that changed the whole game. 
And by the third day, I had so many appointments. I was booked solid for a week straight. And I mean, and I was a huge subscriber to the book solid thing, right? Book, book yourself solid was my thing. And between that and then that work ethic, I was booked solid for about two weeks. <laughs> and, but I kept going because I knew the appointment abandonment rate. And this was pre-COVID. So the appointment abandonment rate at the time was like 42%. So I kept going, right? And before you know it, the prospecting machine itself, it was just, it was on autopilot. I was literally only prospecting twice a week. That was all the time that I had. I was literally only prospecting twice a week because of course I'm going through the pipeline and things that got pushed out, I'm revisiting them. Things that needed more time, if they weren't there and they needed to be nurtured, right? I'm moving those things around. I'm calling back the abandoned ones and seeing what happened, right? And I, I mean, I, 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 I even took, I even went far enough to even, even if you abandon the appointment, I'm still gonna go, I'll see your neighbors. Right. Yeah, man. I fell in love. Everybody hated canvassing and prospecting. I turned it into a game and found a way to fall in love with it. Right. You've got to fall in love with the things that people hate. All of your competitors, because they're healthy, they're a great part of the ecosystem. We need them in order to thrive. Not everybody's a winner. The losers have a place too. Right. It's at the market standard. Yeah. <laughs> we have to. But whatever it is that they hate, and I was in sales and sales leadership, people hate prospecting, right? And and they hate sales ops. I had to find a way to love those two things to be successful. So, you know, and I'm sure the same thing, right? I, and I hope that you're creating the space and you're letting the foot doctors stick to the foots with the editing. <laughs> this is where you're powerful. The more time you are right here, Phil, yeah. that's when the enterprise just grows deeper. The more time you're right here. That's what I'm learning, man. <laughs> got to, man. Let, let Find that person and let them do it. Find that audio engineer. Let them mix it down. Because the more time that you're here, it just, the extension just boom, 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 boom. Because man, who better than you at this right here? You took a million dollar personality and you made me feel like a billion dollars in 10 seconds. Who better than you? This is where you're <laughs> on right here. It's right here. Man, I'm, I'm definitely going to check out the podcast. Like as soon as this conversation is over, I've got to subscribe and just follow along because I, I think your provocation, the art of provocation that you bring in and helping poke people and say, move, do something. It's real. And I can see, and it comes from a place that you yourself do for yourself every single day. It's an extension of who you are. And that's creating more and more impact everywhere you go. I'm truly, truly inspired by this conversation. I can't thank you enough, Greg, for stopping by, man. Greg Robinson, everybody. Uh, Who Better Than You podcast. We've got uh, Diagnostic Service Center and of our capital partners. Check it out. Look it up. Get involved. Thanks again, Greg. No problem, man. I appreciate it. You folks, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode.